Tits up is both an expression used when things have gone terribly wrong and a phrase coined as a rallying cry to stand up straight, own the stage, and knock them dead. There are a few things in this world that can make your life go tits up more quickly than a breast cancer diagnosis, especially for adolescent and young adult women. This podcast is meant to give us AYAs, a feeling of community, understanding, and power, helping us to walk into each day with a feeling of tits up. We are not medical professionals and we are not giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different. And just because we did something one way does not mean that it is necessarily the way that you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well being, please contact your doctor. Happy Thursday, family. It's Megan and Sam, and this week on Tits Up, we are talking about surgery options and decisions you are faced with when diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, For the first few episodes, as you can probably tell, we are going to be primarily discussing our own experiences, but if our experiences are not your experiences, just hold tight because we will be including all of our members, doctors, therapists, and other people that will help us eventually speak to all of you. So, Sam, happy Thursday. First of all, how are you? Well, Megan, I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. Um, I'm excited to talk today about surgeries and the memories that we lost. Um, So... (laughs) Before we go on, I want a quick mention to all of our listeners. We have something to celebrate. Sam had her last chemo treatment. Yay! Yay. How are you feeling? Yes, I did. Thank you for that, Megan. Um, I'm feeling great. I didn't ring a bell, um, but (laughs) currently (laughs) I'm just uh, waiting to schedule my port removal and kind of get my post-chemotherapy scan. So I will keep you all updated as that progresses. Yes, please do. That's such a big milestone. So congratulations, my love. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Okay. So, All right. So briefly, um, share or in depth, however you want to, but share with us your uh, breast cancer surgery options. That's the big thing that we're talking about today um, and how they were presented to you after diagnosis, how you decided what you were going to do. And um, were you given a lot of options, I guess, because some of us are not. Right. Um, So initially, after I got diagnosed, I met with a general surgeon first. So it was pretty immediate that I knew I was going to have surgery. It was just a matter of what surgery and when. Um, The general surgeon told me I would most likely at minimum need a single mastectomy, but that I had options and my oncologist would discuss them further along with the oncology surgeon, because like I said, I saw a general surgeon at first. So I went and saw my oncologist and the oncology surgeon that worked together. Okay. And once I talked to my oncologist, you know, she said the same thing, except with the addition of, I was kind of under the impression that I was going to do surgery sooner or sooner rather than later. And I wanted to do surgery rather sooner rather than later because I had had the lump for such a long time. But they said, eh, it's kind of a big lump. So we want to see if we can shrink it, um, you know, or make it go away before we cut it out. 
and your cancer is triple positive. Uh, so chemotherapy is the best neoadjuvant. And I said, well, shucks. Alrighty then. So. Well, wait, um, you just said, what was the word? Neojuvent? Yes. Neoadjuvant so, just okay, means Okay, so I don't know prior. what that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tell, tell all of us what that is. Neoadjuvant just means prior to surgery. Okay. Um, adjuvant means after surgery. So I did neoadjuvant chemo and adjuvant chemo because there was residual cancer at the time of my surgery. So, okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that being said, I was kind of bummed out because I was really excited to get my surgery. And now I was like, well, shucks, I got to do about six months of chemotherapy before that which we will definitely talk about in another episode. But I did feel confident that I had my oncologist, my surgeon, and my plastic surgeon kind of all co-located on the same place. Badass team of women. Mm -hmm. um, I was feeling very, very confident about the surgery discussion. Um, and it, I quickly, I decided that I was going to do a double mastectomy, which was also what was recommended to me. And of course, they wanted to do, you know, the two part surgery with the expanders and then the swap to implants, which is typically what most women get, I feel like just because at the time we were unsure if I was going to do radiation. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I ended up not doing radiation and I actually ended up not doing that two-step surgery. Um, so oh, we can kind of get to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can kind of get to that a little bit later, but that was kind of my first initial surgery treatment plan, how it was put together, how it was presented to me. And following that, I just, you know, again, started on my chemotherapy journey, which we'll talk about, you know, in a later episode. But there was a really long waiting period, or at least I thought it was up until I got my surgery due to doing neoadjuvant chemotherapy, which is again, just before surgery. Um, and for everybody curious, my tumor did shrink, but it did not go away. Um, so I did have yeah, so I did have residual cancer at surgery, which is why I ended up doing the adjuvant chemo after surgery, which, again, we'll talk about later. So thank you for listening to me, Megan. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, because what's up, what's you, said, um, you said that you were excited about your surgery. And, mm -hmm. you know, everybody, we understand this. Everybody comes at all parts of this from a different place. Why were you excited? Like, what what about the surgery made you excited? Because right. <laughs> so, I was the literal opposite. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Understandable. So because in my head, I thought, well, I had had a palpable lump for about eight months. So I'd felt it every day. I knew it was cancer. I knew from the ultrasound it was cancer. It's funny because I actually watched a video the other day about a breast oncologist talking about what cancer looks like on a ultrasound because a lot of people say it's difficult. And I think I said this in previous episodes, but I said my 
cancer and the ultrasound kind of look like a scary spider with, with a bunch yes. of legs yep. on it. And what she said was it looks like a scary storm, like a lightning storm, you know, with all these kind of things That's around a nicer it. That's way to right? put it than a spider. Right. But I feel like... <laughs> Very similar, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, like, I guess that is the digestible way to put it, right? Because who wants to hear that there's a spider looking thing? Anyway, so just knowing that I had cancer and had the lump and it felt it for so long gave me such a feeling of there was something wrong with me. And I, and I, because the chemotherapy didn't work it seemed the only way that this cancer was going to go away was to do the surgery. So because I had been on active chemotherapy and there was still about 50% or more of the lump still there in my head, mm -hmm. I literally thought like the only way to remove this thing is to physically cut it out. But that's the best thing for me because I still have 50% of it. Did it, did it travel anywhere? Is it, is it going anywhere? Like it doesn't seem to be dying anytime soon. So it basically seemed like the lesser of two evils to me. I could keep my breasts and live with the cancer and have it most likely spread over, everywhere in my body. Or I could be presented with the situation at hand, which is that for whatever reason, I do have this cancer in my body. And the best way to attempt to get rid of it and prevent it from coming back is to see what chemotherapy does to it and then remove the rest of it from my body. I was very hopeful that I would have a complete response to chemotherapy, but I did not. So that's kind of why I was excited to have the surgery, Megan, because what was so intense and prescribed to me as as a treatment option and kind of potential removal option did not work for me. That makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, just getting it getting it out <laughs> and you know, being being done with it. That makes a lot of sense. Um thank you for that. I yeah. I know it's a I, weird thing to hear when you're like, oh, you were excited? I'm like, yes, because I was like, shit, the chemo made me feel so garbage. I, I, it was like, I was a walking skeleton. So I was like, I'm so excited to get this cut out of me because I can, you know, hopefully prevent this from, you know, happening. And this chemotherapy that broke me down to my lowest point did not work. So, you know, I need to, I need to have a better outlook going forward. And the only way is to literally cut it out of my body, you know, and hopefully remove the area in where it was likely to grow because we have no idea why it popped up in the first place. Right. Do you think it, it helped with the, like the feeling of anticipation, excitement, whatever it was to get, to get that all taken out? Do you think it helped that you were able to feel the lump? Cause I was not able to yes. feel my lump. So I never. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. it, it felt like a large, like grape or walnut. So it was very apparent that something was wrong and something was already disfigured with my natural breasts that I was given, right, is how I took it. That's that's just what it is. There was a lump in my breast, I could feel it, and it was obvious, regardless if it was malignant or not, I would have wanted yeah. to have that removed, you know, just because of cosmetic purposes. So again, to me, 
it was just a matter of prioritizing my best health and chance going forward because I had a palpable lump. The chemotherapy didn't necessarily work to the extent I hoped it would. And, you know, kind of the only way I saw through and forward to that was getting it physically cut out and then doing everything in my power to prevent reoccurrence. Basically, I'm not, I don't, I don't see uh, many other options, you know, when it, when it comes to that. And remind me what stage were you? 1B. 1B. Okay. Okay. So mine was a little bit different. (laughs) um i was i was one b as well um but my how do where do i even start with this so when they found my lump and i mentioned this excuse me i think in like the first episode or second episode but i mentioned that it was my lump was up against my chest wall Um, right so you couldn't feel it yours was not palpable nothing looked or felt different at all. And they only found it because of the mammogram or the ultrasound, ultrasound. not the mammogram. Yeah, exactly. The mammogram didn't show shit. Um, The, the ultrasound is what eventually found it. Um, So I was, (laughs) I was driving away from um, my office because I was, given the call at my office that, um, I had cancer. So I left for the day. (laughs) Um, and as I was driving away, I remember saying to myself, I am not having a mastectomy. I am not having a mastectomy because, you know, I I've seen my mom go through breast cancer. Um, I've got a big family history of breast cancer. It was, it's my mom, both of my grandmas, um, a bunch of aunts, a bunch of great aunts, everybody, every woman seems to get it in some way, shape or form. But to me, I was like, you, you're, you gotta be shitting me. Like I'm 35 at the time, um, you know, newly married and I had incredible sensation, I will say (laughs) in my press, very attached to them. Um, and I could not imagine to me, I mean, and one thing, let me start over. One thing that a lot of people get wrong when it comes to mastectomies is they people tend to view a mastectomy as a boob job, hmm. and mm-hmm. it cannot be free boob job. <laughs> job at that. I mean, there was one person I won't say who it was, but there was one person in my life that was like, "Well, I mean, okay, you have cancer, you need a double mastectomy, but like, I had a boob job a long time ago. Like, they look fantastic, and it wasn't that bad." bitch like if if she had to go through what i had to go through to get some implants nobody would ever get breast augmentations they would never get boob jobs because it is right. an amputation um right. you know that's that's what i think is lost on a lot of people is that amputation aspect to this um you know it isn't just plastic surgery you're losing not a limb but you're losing a significant part of your body um, Absolutely. That's and- why it's called a breast reconstruction, not a breast Correct. augmentation. And Correct. if you think that what Megan and I went through or similar women in our position went through was a boob job, I encourage you to look up a video of a 
medical breast reconstruction Mm -hmm. and um, a bilateral mastectomy. So yeah, Google will set you right. (laughs) No, you're right. Google will set you right real quick. If you look that up, it is, it's a nightmare. So I was dead set on not getting a double mastectomy or a single mastectomy or anything. I was just going to do a lumpectomy, just take out the cancer itself, the surrounding tissue, and let's move forward. Understandable. Um, You loved your breast. Yes, I really did. I miss them a lot. I still miss them a lot. And um, Megan, may I ask if you did the lumpectomy, like, were you going to, for lack of a better term, match your other one or like create symmetry as much as you could with them? Or were you going to keep your other one as natural as possible if you feel comfortable? Oh, I feel, yeah. I mean, I'm an open book on this. Everybody's going to find out I feel comfortable with like, (laughs) I don't care at this point, you know, when you've stood naked and topless and had every part of you poked and prodded and squeezed right. and everything right at a certain point you're like there's nothing sacred anymore whatever right. Right. Um, right. So, yeah I honestly didn't even think that far into it um if given the option I would have made them symmetrical but at the time I wasn't thinking that far into it I was just like let's just get the cancer out and be done with it um because I am young and these boobies have a lot more years left in them they got a lot of life left in they got a lot of life left to live um (laughs) so when i went to the first person that i met with was my oncology surgeon um and in talking to her she was incredible you guys are going to hear me talk about her for forever i'm just obsessed with her um she gave me her personal cell phone number so i could text her with questions at any time of the day like she she talked me through everything took so much time with me and my husband we had my mom on the phone because it was during covid um you know it was she was wonderful and she made it very clear to me that it is my body we can do whatever i want to do um if it's a lumpectomy then that's what we're going to do however she really wanted me to have an in-depth conversation with her about a mastectomy Long story short, I ended up landing on a double mastectomy, um, primarily because of my age. You know, I was thinking of it from the perspective of they've got a lot of life left in them. Let's keep them. She was able to make me see that because of my age is so likely that this will come back. Now, we've talked about the BRCA gene and I was actually negative for the BRCA gene, which is wild. Um, because everybody else in my family that has had breast cancer was positive for the BRCA gene. But at this point I was like, well, shit, I wasn't supposed to get it in the first place anyway. So who's to say I'm not going to get it again. And they do have a lot of life left in them, which means that they have a lot of potential (laughs) to get breast cancer again. And to me, I did not want to do this again. I don't, I, I cannot fathom going through all of it again. Um, so double mastectomy it was and you know i i went through all of the stages of grief with that i mean i think i'm still going through a lot of the stages of grief with my double mastectomy i miss them a lot i miss the feeling in them um i kind of feel like my kind of like a robot (laughs) with the chest you know and it's funny because i'll i'll touch my reconstructed breasts sometimes and i will have some feeling somewhere but i'll feel it 
in a different spot on my body. It's almost like the nerves got kind of crossed. So I might be touching something on my right breast and I'll feel something funny on my left or whatever. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's psychosomatic. Maybe there's a medical explanation for it, but. Um, nope, I it, getcha. I getcha. It, yeah. Yeah, it feels <laughs> very, very strange. Um, one thing I did do is I did a boudoir photo shoot um not because i was for you (laughs) thank you but i was not feeling sexy in the least it wasn't like a sexy thing although they came out very nice very happy with them but it was more of like a love letter like a goodbye love letter to my boobs which like makes me almost kind of tear up right now thinking about it um like if you said it to somebody else that hadn't experienced cancer they may or may not get it Um, but it was, I was kind of crying throughout the entire, um, photo shoot. And it was funny. I got the name of this woman, um, the photographer, I got the name of her from somebody else. And she had actually recently stopped doing boudoir photos. She was planning on moving. She wasn't doing it anymore. But when I called her and I asked her and I told her what was going on, she said, absolutely, woman, get your butt in here. We're going to do this. Even though I'm not doing this anymore, I'm going to do it for you because I really, really love this idea. So there were tons of times we had to stop because I was crying and then she started crying. Then everybody's crying. We had to like redo makeup and stuff. (laughs) Um, But I, for those of you that think that that would be um, fun, I will tell you, I'm very glad that I did it. I still have a tough time looking at those pictures um, because there were no scars and they were bouncy and beautiful. But um, I, I am really glad that I did it. Every now and then I like looking at those pictures and kind of remembering, you can almost remember how it felt at the time. But anyway, that's a long tangent on that. Um, Highly recommend if that's something that you're comfortable with. So um, I went, uh, like I said, I went to my oncology surgeon. We decided on the double mastectomy. So I had a appointment next with the plastic surgeon to figure out, are we going to do direct to implant? For those that don't know, that's where they take the boobies off and then they immediately put an implant in. So you wake up with boobs. One stop shop, baby. Um, One stop shop. That is what I was going for. I wanted to go scorched earth, just take them off. But I wanted to wake up with something. I felt like I was going to be really, really messed up psychologically if I woke up and I was completely flat. I felt the same exact way as you, Megan, about that. Um, So uh, so I was also an advocate for the direct implant, even though that was not in my initial surgery plan i was like oh my gosh i don't have huge boobs now but i can't wake up and feel like a 12 year old boy you know what i mean like what's what's gonna happen here and they're like in in a month we'll put 100 cc's i was like that'll be nothing (laughs) (laughs) i mean for those that want to go flat that's i mean that's exactly how you want to wake up you know i mean that is right And I I cannot wait to get um, some women on here that did go flat so we can talk to them about, you know, the psychology behind it and, you know, why it was that they wanted that, um, because all of these choices are incredibly valid. Just for me, I had pretty big boobs and I could not imagine 
being flat, especially after having the relationship with my boobs that I did, I needed something aesthetically to be there. So going to my plastic surgeon, I cannot recall because God knows we block a lot of this out like a bad car crash, but I can't recall the exact reason that direct to implant was not an option for me, but it wasn't. So I had to have expanders. Now, um, (laughs) for those that don't know, expanders are basically deflated implants. Um, Fillable implants, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like a balloon, but like there's nothing in there and not blown up balloon. So they put the expanders in and the expanders have kind of like a magnetic port on them so that eventually when you start filling up the expanders in order to stretch that skin again, um, it can go right in. It doesn't really hurt. Um, You know, they have to go through skin to put the stuff in. But at that point, you really don't have any feeling or sensation at all anyway. Um, So I requested from my plastic surgeon that she at least put a little bit of, I don't know if it's saline or something else that they put in there, but just I think put a saline, little bit in. Saline similar. Yeah. So like, just put a little bit in. So I have a little bit of a bump, you know? Of course. Not, yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, but and? yeah, so, and, and she did, which was great. So Yay. I woke up and there was at least a little bit of something. I wasn't like inverted. I remember when my mom yes. had her double mastectomy, it, she was pretty much inverted. It was like two kind of dipped holes in her chest. And I just, Megan, I, I saw her do that and I didn't want to do that. If I could interrupt you right there, yes, that's ma'am. actually one of the reasons why I chose reconstruction because my surgeon was very upfront with me and said, because you are very petite, if you choose not to do implants because of what a mastectomy requires, you will have no breast tissue left and you will be concave. And I said, yes. what do you mean? I thought I could be flat. I said, I thought flat was the option, not concave. Um, So I think that's one of those things that you don't really understand fully until you're in that position or until you're faced with that decision, which is something I didn't. I was like, okay, yeah, going flat, that wouldn't be too bad. And then I was like, oh, I wouldn't actually be flat. I would be concave. And to me... I was like, even now I can feel my ribs or my chest bone. And I'm like, I'm a skeleton. You know what I mean? Just due to the lack of breast tissue that's mm-hmm. now on my chest. So yep. sorry I mean, for I the can... intermittent. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you did that because there are, there are so many things that hopefully we are able to cover. And you guys as listeners, give us ideas. Please always throw ideas out at us because there are so many things in breast cancer or, I mean, I haven't had a kid, but like, you know, my friends that have had babies, um, you know, there, there are so many things in life that people just don't tell you, you know, I mean, my friends have told me when they've had babies, like, oh my God, I did not know that this was a thing, or I did not know that this was going to happen to my body or whatever. Like doctors, God love them. They're trying their best, I'm sure. But there are so many things that they just don't tell you sometimes. And then the aftermath is, holy shit, now I'm stuck with this. Or I, I had no idea I would have chosen something different if I would have known, you know, I've, I've heard tons of that. So I'm glad that we made a point of that. (laughs) Um, so yeah, went to my plastic surgeon. She told me, you know, you got to get the expanders, had those put in. Now I had a, we just named it chunk 
which is not cute because it wasn't cute, but there was a big chunk of skin, probably about three or four inches by three or four inches underneath my left nipple that was trying to die off and run away. I mean, it was necrotizing, but I just, in my mind, I like to picture that this area of my skin was just as pissed off about the mastectomy as I was. It was not having over it. it. Over it. (laughs) So I had to go every day for a month um, to a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Now, for those of you that don't know what a hyperbaric oxygen chamber is, I would suggest you Google because I'm not very good at explaining it. But what they do is they put you into this tin can looking thing. I mean, it's basically like a submarine, but they don't throw you into water. They take all the, they, they put pressure in to this tin can that you're living in for a little bit. Um, they put a lot of air pressure in there and they pump it full of oxygen. And there's something about that pressurization that makes your body just suck up this oxygen and more oxygen equals more healing as we know. Um, so after a while, after a full month, finally that skin was better. Um, but there were so many people in this hyperbaric oxygen chamber area with me for different things. Like one lady had a leg that was broken and it wouldn't heal right. Another guy had, um, testicular cancer. I ended up becoming buddies with him. He was this older guy. Um, there were, there was a lady for migraines. She was in there for migraines. Um, so hyperbaric oxygen chambers, from what I understand can be very helpful for a lot of different ailments. Um, a lot of burn victims will do that. So we did it for Chunk, and Chunk ended up finally getting better, which meant that finally at that point we could start filling the expanders. Now, the expanders do not feel like an implant. Implants feel very squishy and malleable and kind of fun to poke. (laughs) Expanders do not. They're uh, kind of tied down to your chest wall, so they don't move a bunch, but they still move. They have kind of a square Tupperware feeling to them. Um, And as you get them filled up, obviously they start stretching that skin. I was, I I remember being kind of irritated. Like, why do we have to take the skin off in the first place? If we're just going to stretch it again, they explained it to me. I understood. I cannot recall all of the reasons (laughs) again, (laughs) a lot of stuff out like a bad car crash, but, um, Eventually we got those fully expanded, but they were really, really uncomfortable. Like it it was never painful. I've heard some women say that it's really painful for them, but mine just felt awkward. Like if I tried to lift my arm in a certain way, it felt like they'd almost like caught on, I don't know, something in my chest or I couldn't sleep on my side the same way. I had like pillows everywhere to try to like make sure that sleeping was reasonably comfortable. Um, Eventually, once you get them to approximately the size that you want, then you they put you back under and they take the expanders out and they put the implants in. Now, from my understanding, that usually isn't a super long process, usually a few months. Mine just took a hell of a lot longer because of the skin that was trying to die and go into the hyperbaric oxygen chamber and all of that. Um, I kept wanting her to fill my plastic surgeon being her. I kept wanting her to fill my expanders a lot faster 
And she was like, no, my friend, because like all of the skin is still healing from your double mastectomy. We don't want to put as much pressure on the skin as you're wanting to. So I need you to calm the fuck down, basically. Um, right. So eventually I had those done. Um, I had the implants put in and that was at the exact same time. I had kind of a dual surgery. I had my hysterectomy at the exact same time that I had my um, implants put in. Oh, so I just talked a whole bunch. Apologies for that. <laughs> so you woke up with boobs and yes. you woke up without a reproductive system. <laughs> I woke up finally with boobs again, um, but also balls deep in menopause on the very first day. It was like immediately I started having oh. hot flashes and um all, all sorts of different symptoms and you know what the most messed up thing is side note ladies if you are going to have a hysterectomy ask them to put you on like a normal um just a normal floor of the hospital i woke up in the maternity ward so when um, i woke up i was looking at pictures of how to swaddle your baby and all so these like posters on the wall in my room about your brand new baby and I had never been dead set on having kids until I got married. And then we started really talking about having kids and what that looked like. And then I was diagnosed and we'll go into why a hysterectomy made sense for me and makes sense for a lot of other people in another episode. But just as a quick public service announcement, I woke up and had a weapons grade meltdown, just lost it, lost my shit completely um, because you know, it makes sense that I was in there, you know, we needed a lot of the same products, like, you know, these pads and like the cooling or the heating. Right. But still, Megan, but I mean, mentally, I mean, you would have had to walk or at least me, I would have had to walk out of that room and straight down to, you know, mental health. Or well, I the, lost it. I lost it. Because <laughs> what ended up happening, though, is I ended up choosing to stay in there only because if I went down to another floor, I had to share a room. But if I stayed in this one, I got my own room. <laughs> Sacrifices, sacrifices. And my nurse, bless her heart, she grabbed sheets and covered up those posters for me. So I didn't have to look at them for the next, you know, day and a half that I was in there. But oh, that was bad. Ask, ask to just be on like a normal floor, any floor of the hospital other than maternity. Right. <laughs> no, no. Maybe if you've already had kids, it's different. But I don't have kids. I was either really wanting them and then I couldn't have them, but that's not right. about, I'm trying to like get us back on track, but I'm so like squirrel <laughs> today. Right. No, no, Megan, that's okay. Um, so what would you say was your most uncomfortable part of that surgery? In a few words for me, it was the drains, hands down the drains. drains. Yep. Just drains <laughs> all around. Okay. They're terrible. They're terrible. Um, I always, when people ask me what they feel like, I always say like, remember those protractors, like in elementary school where it was like the pointy end. And then you like put the, for younger people, maybe yeah. they don't remember this, but elder millennial here is like the pointy thing. And then you put the pencil in and you can draw and, perfect. Yep. 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 It. Yep. The really pointy part. Like you can really shank somebody with that. So what it feels like is it feels like somebody is just, I mean, not trying to kill you, but just poking you 
with that constant right on that nerve right on that nerve that wherever that drain is somehow resting on connecting to i don't know how they do it but those surgeons have a miraculous talent for putting those drains in the yep. most uncomfortable spot i was really begging down or like right like i was scooching around put in them down shirt. in your sides yeah no oh None of god that. one thing i would recommend for everybody because of the drains i got these two little heart-shaped pillows like as i was going into surgery one of the nurses brought in these heart-shaped pillows that i guess like other um, breast cancer survivors had made for um, patients going in, which is adorable. I mean, sweet. I loved it. I really appreciated it. At the time, I didn't give a shit because I was mad. I was scared. I was so upset. I was not thinking straight. Um, But they did come in handy a lot because if your arms are touching those drains on your side, it can really hurt or be incredibly uncomfortable, just kind of sent me to the moon. So I put these little heart-shaped pillows under my armpits to keep my arms, <laughs> like little chicken wings, to keep my arms off of them. Um, Whatever so if you works. Order them off of Amazon or have a friend make them, or I don't know, however you want to do it, but get those pillows to put under your armpits. Um, that's very helpful. But yeah, I mean, what was what was your experience with the drains? Because I was I hated them. I tried to get them out early. Me Um, too, as well. I asked my breast surgeon who told me no, called my plastic surgeon who is currently in another surgery because I was, I was literally like, there was two little stitches hanging off of each one of my tubes. And the plan was for in one week, I think I got two removed and then as long as my levels were good, then the next two weeks, I got the other two removed. And I was hoping I'm a side sleeper. So I was hoping that I would get that I would get two on one side and I would be able to lean over, even though do not do that. That is not me telling anybody to do that. That is not not a recommendation. Um, it did, you know, I'm sure contribute to the ever aching pain that I feel there now, you know, from laying on that prematurely before it was healed. So I don't recommend doing that. Anyway, I got one out on each side, of course, lucky, lucky me. So I just felt like I was in the same exact position as I was in. And I was literally like, I'm not going to do anything for this next week. Like when my kind of my whole mantra during my experience, cancer surgery, if I felt shitty or had a shitty day or a shitty week or the drains were one of the shittiest parts of this whole experience, I leaned totally into that. And I said, okay, if I'm going to be in a bitchy mood because of this, like, that's just how I am letting everybody know, you know, please, please steer clear. This is just not a good time for me. And it also helped me because I knew that when I did get them out, you know, my mood and perspective would immediately change because I was very uncomfortable, you know, with the drains. And that's ultimately what it came down to was my puppy jumped up on me and would pull on the tubes and stripping the tubes and cleaning them out would hurt. Like, I I don't know if anybody else had that experience, but like it made me dread (laughs) taking the clumpy little cells out of the the tubes oh. because it was like sucking the air and you would have to open the drain and i'm 
I had uh, such such an interesting experience. I'm so thankful to my husband who did it religiously for me multiple times a day and recorded yep. my drain numbers appropriately for my uh, plastic surgeon. I think you had a bit of an experience with that, Megan. Oh, I did. I was going to say, talking about drain level. So... <laughs> My husband also was the one doing it for me constantly. It just grossed me out. You know, um, you see like these clumps of tissue and blood and everything else coming out of them. I know that face. Different colors. <laughs> Different the colors. Right Yellow, pink, oh, red. So bad. So I'm sure they told us during, during or before, or excuse me, after whatever, um, to track how much is coming out of these drains. That piece of information was lost on both of us. So my husband, fantastic. He's handling it religiously every day, cleaning it out. He was doing the drains religiously, but at some point we missed the memo that we needed to be taking um, accurate counts of how many milliliters or whatever it was that was coming out of there. So we ended up going to my plastic surgeon. I was on cloud nine because I was convinced that this was the day I was going to have my drains taken out. And she says, all right, Megan, so do you have that page, that piece of paper that we gave you with all of your, um, all the levels that are coming out? And I just kind of stared at her blankly. <laughs> and she's like, tell me, Megan, you've been keeping track of how much is coming out. And I was like, yeah, I definitely haven't been doing that. I'm like, but it's not much. I'm sure we're fine. Just take it out. She's like, my love, absolutely not. Nope. So I had to keep them in for another week, another week to show her. And the weeks are not just weeks. They feel like years when you have those drains in and everything else is still like wrapped up really tight on you yes. and you're so uncomfortable. Every minute feels like an hour. Every hour feels like a day. So another yes. week, I just, I just cried the whole way home. My husband's trying to calm me down. He's like, it's okay. You know, we can do it next week. So finally, we rolled in the next week. We had all the levels. She then felt like it was okay to get them taken out. Now, I didn't understand how much of that tubing is actually in there. I thought they were inches. kind of short. <laughs> yes, many inches like yes. they, they put them in there in almost like a circular circular swiss fashion, roll uh, cinnamon roll <laughs> yes it looks like a cinnamon roll in there i mean not that you can see it but i've just googled this a bunch so right i didn't know how she was going to take it out i didn't know how much was in there she was trying to keep me occupied and like asking me a bunch of other questions so i wasn't paying attention to what she was doing while she was poking around on me and then she just grabs it and just rips it out and it, felt, it felt like a snake or a worm or something coming out yep. of it. Oh, it was so gross. And so yep. thankfully she had her assistant doing the same thing at the same time. So she only had to do it once and that was the end of it. But the whole ride home, I was, I was just chatty and elated. My husband could tell I felt so much better because I was talking a bunch and I think I had not been talking very much. That's just kind of the way that I deal with it. You know, like the, the pain. I was and the, the same and way. I, I was, was very non-talkative for that two week period. Yes. Because like I said, when I felt bad, I leaned into that. And literally I had never been more uncomfortable. It wasn't the pain. It wasn't this. It was the fact that I tried to do any little movement I couldn't because I was feeling pain directly from that tube. 
you know, pinning on some nerve. It was just not a good experience. Like I said, that was definitely like the worst two weeks out of the surgery experience for me was while the dreams were in by far. Yeah. I mean, second, second to um, the drains was probably going from a laying down position to a seated position. Like anytime I had to like get up out of bed because gravity pulls and it, it was so painful. It was so, so painful. Um, I have since realized that some people are able to rent or there are um, nonprofits that will give women going through double mastectomies, like zero gravity chairs. Mm, I'm like, well, yeah. shit, that would have been helpful. Like, right? been like button, and it slowly moved me up because my God, it was such a train wreck. Like my, my poor husband would have to come in. I'd be in the laying down position. He would grab my legs and pull my legs off the side of the bed. Then he'd go to the other side of the bed and push me up like from the back slash butt and we'd have to go really slowly and then it it was a nightmare um so if you're able to get a zero gravity chair i think some insurances will cover it highly recommend if not a zero gravity chair then just like a recliner because we didn't have a recliner at the time i would have lived in that recliner um so highly recommend that but you know we talked about um you know fl going flat um the implant reconstruction but some people really don't like the idea of an implant um but they still want reconstruction and neither of us had a quote-unquote flap procedure but there are f-l-a-p not flat but flap <laughs> um, <laughs> so some people do that and i don't know very much about it hopefully we can get somebody on that has had a flap procedure to kind of talk to us about what that looks like but I was also wanting one of those to begin with. Um, the reason I wanted it was straight up aesthetic. Um, I more or less wanted a tummy tuck <laughs> because I am, I am not petite like you, my love. And I had a tummy and I wanted them to take my tummy and make it into boobs. That to me felt like a fantastic way to not be so sad about the double mastectomy. Um, and that, again, was not a good choice for me. I don't remember the exact reasons why, but my doctor was telling me that that's probably not the way that we want to go. Also, because it is a very, very intensive surgery. It has a lot of recovery time, from my understanding, um, like a lot, a lot, months of recovery time. Um, and also you have- And more drains. <laughs> and <way> more drains. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I can't wait to have somebody on to kind of talk to us about the flap procedure. Um, they can do the tummy. I think they can do kind of like your, your upper back area. And I think there's one more kind of like, like, I think they can do your upper back, lower back or tummy. Um, and what they do is they reroute the blood vessels up into your breasts. So whatever blood vessels were going to these other parts, they kind of reroute it up. Um, I don't know much more about that, but if that does sound good to you, ask your doctor about that because that way you can create breasts that are made out of your own tissue and you don't have the implants in. And I know a lot of people have an issue with just the idea of a foreign object in your body forever and always. Um, so I would ask about that if that's something that sounds um, good to you. Right. Um, also, ladies, keep in mind that uh, 
I would definitely ask about all the surgery options available to you, regardless if they may be a good fit or not. You don't know what kind of risk you're willing to take until you're put in the situation and also until you're presented with the outcomes. Um, Just because something is safer with you, you could be uh, eternally upset with the outcome, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for 5% more risk, you could have done something else or a multi-step procedure. So all I'm saying is ask, even if you think you may not be a good candidate or if it's not something recommended to you, if you're interested in a flat procedure, flap, (laughs) not flat, as Megan said, um, then ask your surgeons about it. And if they're not willing to talk to you about it, go find another surgeon because you you shouldn't have any question or concern of yours being ignored. Again, regardless if they're willing to perform the surgery or not, if you are a good candidate to that person, you have to remember that healthcare, uh, medical expertise and opinions is all up to the individual, you know, performing the care, treatment and or surgery. So, yep. Keep, yep. keep I mean, your options open. Knowledge is power, as we know. Um, and also going into this, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You've never had breast cancer before, so you don't know all of the options. And Googling just leads to another meltdown. I mean, I Googled all over the place. <laughs> so right. I, can't, I can't say don't Google things, but, you know, ask your doctors for all of the information because this is your body, your body, your choice. You know, you want to know exactly what your options are so that you can choose the best thing for you. Because God forbid you choose something and then you find out years later, like, oh, I had that option at the time. So like you were saying, Sam, I mean, ask, ask everybody, (laughs) ask everybody everything. And, you know, I got really lucky with a team that I just loved right from the get go. All women, very, very forthright with me. Um, you know, somewhere around my age, we all were able to talk to each other, cry with each other, all of that. Um, but I've talked to a number of women that had doctors that basically told them like, this is what I do. And, you know, like maybe this is how I do reconstruction. And that's your only choice. If somebody says something even remotely like that to you, second opinion, always, always feel free to get a second opinion because your doctors, especially during cancer, are going to be one of the most intimate relationships that you have with anybody <laughs> in your life. Right. They're going to see you at horrible stages. They're going to see you doing really well. Um, you know, you want somebody that gives a shit about you. Right. No, absolutely, Megan. And I think uh, before we begin to close this episode out for the week of our memories and memories. I think that <laughs> um, I think that I just want to quickly, you know, give a quick little list of, you know, kind of must have items or items that we wish we had or things we knew going into yes. our mastectomy, because that's one thing I felt really prepared for, because there was a lot of information about it, right? Get this pillow, do this, take this. This is how yep. you'll feel better. Sit up like this. So I personally would definitely recommend a mastectomy pillow, whether you use it a little, use it a lot. If you just want to put it on your stomach to have a barrier between your dogs, that's what mm-hmm. I I did. Um, And then I would also recommend kind of the mesh drain holders. uh, But also keep in mind, I was 
fortunate enough to be able to shower after my surgery, uh, go with the direction and care of your physician and surgeon. So uh, Megan, what helped you the most? My favorite thing, and here's something else. Take a look in the description area of this podcast. I'm going to post a link to a um, Amazon wish list that I've created for um, mastectomies and everything else coming after that. Um, And Sam, you and I can work on putting on some things that are really helpful for uh, chemo as well. So let's talk about that. But I will post a link to this. Feel free to take a look at it. It's all stuff that I used or things that I wish that I would have had. But the thing that I really, really liked, I found this robe um, because everything is going to be front closure for you. They're going to have a front closure bra on you when you get out of surgery because you can't reach your arms all the way back um, to do the regular back closure of a bra. So everything is front closure. So I got, I went to Target and I got some um, sports bras that just had like the little zip up the front. So that's really helpful. But this robe was fantastic because again, front closure, I would put that on, maybe throw on like some comfy pants underneath it. And um, this robe had pockets on the inside for your drains. And that to me was incredibly helpful because I could put the drains in the pockets and then forget about them. Because the last thing you want is a full drain just dangling because that's just going to hurt like a son of a bitch. So have those have pockets for the drains, whether that's around your neck, um, shirts that have pockets on the inside. But I found this robe that was fantastic. And I just rocked that for a number of weeks. <laughs> right. I wore a little <laughs> fanny pack. Something else on. It was amazing. What was that? Yeah. I wore a little fanny pack just 24 seven that I kept them in there. So that way, if I didn't have a shirt on, you know, that had pockets or a robe, um, then I could, you know, not have to worry about them because that was like the one thing during that two week period of having the drains. I was like, don't let them get like taut, you know, um, and fall because again, (laughs) the slightest bit of uncomfortable uh, motion or movement when it comes to the drains reflected greatly in, you know, your pain in the side when it came out. Mm-hmm. Just shake it yeah. aside. So yeah, I'm yeah, like, this I is will... what prison feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I will JK, JK. JK, 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 JK. <laughs> um, but yes, I will post a link to my um my cancer wish list. And feel free to send that around to friends and family. I have found a lot of friends and family have no idea how to help. You know, maybe an aunt or an uncle somewhere in a different state. They don't know how to help. If you if you send them a wish list from Amazon, they can just buy you stuff. And all of a sudden, things just start showing up at the door that are very, very helpful. One of my favorite right. things that I got from a friend, Kelly, shout out. <laughs> it had nothing to do with cancer. She got me a really, really fuzzy blanket that was in a circle. And it had like little um, splotches on it. It looked like a tortilla. So I walked around calling myself a cancer burrito, which is gross. <laughs> now that I say it out loud to other people, <laughs> it sounds gross, but I would wrap myself up in it. And I'm like, I'm a burrito. Cancer burrito. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Megan. Um, I would definitely say meals too. Um, yes. just going through treatment and everything like that. The last thing you want to think about, especially, sorry if this is 
too traditional, but is is cooking dinner, you know, at the end of the day, or, you know, you just really want a nice cuddle up soup and but you don't want to make it. So it would be nice if, you know, it was on your doorstep. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> there are also a number of websites that you can set up. I did this and I will post a link to this as well, um, where you can update, you send it to friends and family and they can stay updated with you on how your recovery is going and all of that. And that way you don't have to talk to 20 people a day and tell them how you're doing. You just update that and you can also set up a meal train on these on these websites. Um, people can also send you gift cards, DoorDash, um, Uber Eats, all of that. Very, very helpful. So, you know, you don't want to cook anything. You don't even want to warm anything up because you can't move your arms. I had little T-Rex arms for a very, very long time. So yeah, DoorDash and all of that. So just take a look in our uh, description. We will make sure to always be posting anything that we talk about on here. We will try to post links to it, whether they are educational or um, just something that is helpful. If our um, if our site doesn't let us, because I think there's a character limit on it, please feel free, well, please follow us on um, Facebook and Instagram, and I will be able to post extra links on there that we have found to be very, very helpful. Right, and um, as always, Megan, thank you so much for sharing your story today about your mastectomy you. and your experience with us. Um, I think we are coming to a close for today's episode of Tits Up. So join us next time as we continue to share and learn from each other's experience and journeys. And until next week, Tits Up, ladies. We are not medical professionals and we are not giving medical advice. Everyone's experience with cancer is very different. And just because we did something one way does not mean that it is necessarily the way that you should do it. If you have any questions about your health and well being, please contact your doctor.